Jesus loves the little children, all the children in the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Welcome to the Journey Series. We are spending our summer outside on the journey, man. I got a beautiful Airstream trailer behind me right here. I'm sitting by a beautiful campfire and the smell of the smoke and the crackle of the wood, the sound of frogs and crickets out here around me on this beautiful evening. It makes me think about the greatness of our God and it's impossible to think about the greatness of our God without thinking about the greatness of His love and the greatness of His love for us, the greatness of His mercy and the greatness of His grace. Today in the Journey series, we're gonna look at one of the most epic stories in all of human history maybe in a way that you've never looked at it. Today we're gonna to look at the story of Jonah. And while most people think the story of Jonah is a tale about a, a man who got swallowed by a fish, there's so much more to the story than that. And, and I think today at the, end of this, at the end of this journey's installment, I hope, I hope that all of you who are gonna join me around this campfire this evening to hear this great story from the Bible, I hope that you'll see the story of Jonah as far more than a man and a fish. I hope you will see it as a story of God's epic and unrelenting love for people. I hope you'll see it as an Old Testament example of what Jesus would say in the New Testament, that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. I hope that you'll see that there's no limit to God's love for us, that He will chase us down, that He will pursue us, and that when we, His children, His believers, like Jonah was, when we mess it all up, He still comes for us. He doesn't let go of us. And for those who are far from Him, for the world around us that still needs a Savior, we will see in the story of Jonah that God loves the lost more than we could ever imagine. So I invite you right now to grab a mug, pour some coffee or some hot tea, whatever you like to have in your mug, and join me around this beautiful campfire as we take a look at one of the greatest journeys of all time that's going to point us right at the grace and the mercy of our great God. Today we're going to sit around the campfire, we're going to talk about this story 
found in the Old Testament book of Jonah, and it's about a, a man named Jonah. Let me give you a little background on who he was. So Jonah was a prophet, and a prophet in the Old Testament was basically a preacher. And so Jonah is a man who had a calling on his life, and he lived during a time when the, the kingdom of God, basically the people of God, were broken into two halves, basically. You had the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom involved ten of the tribes, uh, and it was known as Israel. And Jonah was a prophet to those ten tribes. He was a part of that, that time period. Now, in the world during that time, there was a brutal empire called Assyria. And the Assyrians were known for their barbarity. They were known for being cruel. They tortured people. It's, it's very heinous what they did. They were horrific people. And they had inflicted a lot of their brutality and torture on the Israelites at different times. So the Israelites, uh, man, including men like Jonah, would have had a great disdain, a fear, and a disdain for the people of Assyria. Well, Assyria had a capital city, and it was most probably the largest city in the world during the days of Jonah, and it was known as Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was their capital city. It was a big city. The Bible lets us know that it would take about three days to walk from one side to the other of this city. Uh, it's almost unheard of, and for a long time, historically, people had a hard time believing that a city could be as big as Nineveh in ancient times. Because the Bible seems to describe a city that has around half a million plus residents in it. And in that area uh, where Assyria would have been and where Nineveh was claimed to be in the Bible, people just thought, man, I, I don't know if there could really be a city that big there. And that's until they discovered it. <laughs> so years ago, archaeologists actually discovered the city of Nineveh. And sure enough, it was a massive city with walls surrounding the city that they estimate it could have been 100 feet high. Uh, huge watchtowers that were hundreds of feet in the air. This was a major city, a well-organized city with a very large population. So, again, the Bible proves to be true, and we have this story. Now, another thing I want you to know about Jonah, because maybe you've heard, depending on your background, that maybe the story of Jonah, and even Jonah himself, is basically allegory, and that he is an allegorical figure. Not the case, though, because Jesus in the New Testament actually refers to Jonah several times. The apostles talk about Jonah as a real person. So this is, this is not simply a parable. And if it was an allegorical parable, then it would totally be different than every other parable in the Bible because when Jesus or anyone else told a parable, they never used personal names. So this is a true story about a real man who really did live during that time. And we're going to see that this man, Jonah, is going to experience the grace and the mercy of God in a very powerful way, not only for himself, but for others. So now let's turn to our Bibles, the book of Jonah chapter 1. Let's take a look at this epic journey. All right, so if you have your Bibles, just pull up around the, the fire with me and open them up or open up your devices or whatever you may have that you can read the Word of God on. We're going to be looking at the book of Jonah. I use the ESV version uh, normally uh, or the New King James Version. They're my two favorite versions, but if you have an NIV or many, many other great faithful translations. That's all right too. You can come along with us or the verses are going to be on the screen for you as well. Let's check it out. Jonah chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amate, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. 
Now, what we like to do at Three Circle Church, and I think sitting around a fire on a beautiful evening like this is a great way to do it. We like to read the Bible slowly and then learn word for word, line by line, verse by verse, what's going on here. We like to call that expository teaching. What expository teaching, which is our method here at Three Circle, uh, it, it means that we want to expose ourselves to the Word of God. So today the point of this message is going to be what the point of the Word of God is. We, we're a Bible-based church. So what we're going to do around this fire is not just tell stories and laugh and all that. We're going to actually jump into the Word. And what we just read is the Word of God. And there's a lot we can learn there. First of all, one thing we see here is that God had a mission for Jonah's life. Now we know Jonah was a prophet, meaning he at some point in his life had experienced God calling him out. Uh, and we still experience that with people being called to ministry. That happened for me. It might happen for some of you uh, joining us right now around this fire on this journey series. It may be that God has a journey for you that's going to include you being a part of ministry. Uh, but He certainly did for Jonah. But the thing I want you to see is God actually has a mission for all believers. Let me say that again. God actually has a mission in mind for all believers. And we see it here. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. So it wasn't Jonah coming up with this on his own. It was God. And God told him exactly what to do. Hey, bud, I got a mission for you. I want you to go to the capital city of Assyria. I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to call out against it. And what I want you to see here is that this is going to eventually lead to God doing some great things for these barbaric Ninevite people, these Assyrians. This is going to be a good thing in the end. But I want you to see that it wasn't Jonah that initiated it. And it wasn't the Assyrian people who's about to hear the Word of God because of this, who is the initiator here? This is a huge principle. God in His love and grace and mercy is the initiator of that grace and mercy, not us. We don't earn it. We never even thought to ask Him for His grace and mercy. He gave it to us. And for those of us who are believers, we understand this points us to the gospel. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Nineveh, they were still sinners. The Assyrians, they were still sinners. And God's telling Jonah, go to them. That's what happened for you and I. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we see here a big principle about our living God, that He is the initiator of His grace, that He is the initiator of His mercy. The next thing we see here is that certainly Jonah had a mission. I just want to tell you today that is true for all believers. All believers are gifted. We have gifts that we're to bear out in the world. We all are to live on mission at all times. Not just preachers and pastors like myself and others. Not just prophets like Jonah. But every single one of you, if you're sitting around this campfire with me right now, you got a Bible or a device in your hand. If you call Jesus Christ your Lord, I promise you He has a purpose for your life. He has a plan for your life. He has a mission. There's a reason that you're alive still. If not, then when we became Christians, God would just take us right to heaven. Why not, right? Well, here's the why not, because God has a mission for your life and for mine. Another thing we see here is that God tells Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, this barbaric capital city of the biggest empire in the world at the time, Assyria. I want you to go there, and he says, I want you to call out against it for their evil. Now, this is something I want you to understand that is always required when we, when we ourselves come to God for salvation and when we tell others. It has to start with repentance. We have to tell people, yes, God loves you, and you're going to have to confess your sin. And that's what had to happen in Nineveh. God is going to display His love for this, this barbaric and pagan city in a very powerful way. But it starts with Jonah having to have the hard conversation with them. He's going to have to go to Nineveh and tell them that they are sinners. 
And that's the offense of the message of God. It can be offensive, right? It's ultimately great news, but the gospel begins with bad news. The gospel begins by telling us, and Jonah had to do it for Nineveh, and we have a much more clear picture now on this side of the cross and the resurrection. The gospel begins basically with the fact that we are sinners. In fact, the message of the gospel for all of us is that we are so helpless, so bad, such sinners that we needed someone to die for us. That is offensive, right? Unless you understand God's love for you. Because once you understand that, yes, you're a sinner in desperate need of a Savior, the beautiful, life-altering truth of the Bible is that, that someone did love you enough to die for you, that the very Son of God would come for you. And the message that Jonah is being called to preach to Nineveh is the, it's the Old Testament message of the gospel. It's that there is a real God who created all things and that He cares enough about the Ninevites to tell them that their rebellious, sinful, barbaric lifestyle is going to separate them forever from the living God. So we see that salvation has to begin here with repentance. And then we see Jonah, Jonah's response. And now before we beat up Jonah, I think we all need to admit that there's times we've all done the same thing where God wanted us to do something and we said no. Jonah decides not to do what God tells him to do, but instead, and this, this shows you, he's a human. Preachers are human. Prophets are human. He makes a huge mistake. Instead of doing what God wants him to do, he runs in the opposite direction. If you understand where he went, he literally, Tarshish, if you look on a map, is the exact opposite direction from where Nineveh is. So literally, he did the opposite thing that God wanted him to do. And now before you beat Jonah up, isn't that true for us? How many of you joining me right now around this campfire, how many of you, like me, you have absolutely done the opposite of what you knew God wanted you to do? Certainly we all have. So Jonah chose to disobey God. And it's very interesting. It says here that he went away from the presence of the Lord. Now this is something we need to understand. There's actually no way to get out of God's omnipresence. God is everywhere at one time. And Jonah as a prophet, as a theologian, he would have understood that. He understood that. What, what he's trying to get away from is what we'll call his manifest presence. God's manifest presence. What's the difference? Well, God's omnipresence means God's everywhere at one time. You can't get away from that. But His manifest presence is when we experience His presence in relationship. And that's a wonderful thing. It's like I can, I can sit on the swing on my back porch with my beautiful daughter, Gracie. She loves to sit out there and talk to me. But if I sit there and I stay on my phone, I'm with her, but I'm not experiencing her. I'm not connecting with her. But if I put the phone down and she puts her phone down and we start to talk to each other and laugh and tell stories and have fun and talk to each other, now we have manifested, if you will, our presence with one another. And, and that, is, that is what Jonah was getting away from. Let me tell you why. Because when you have a relationship with God and He, he manifests His presence to you, when you actually are connecting with Him, He will also begin to direct you. And that's why Jonah... Jonah understood that God's everywhere at once, but what he wanted to do is get away from the intimate connection he had with God because he did not want to do what God wanted him to do. And let me just tell you right now, there is nothing like experiencing the intimate connection that you can have with God. And the way we do that as believers is through prayer and the reading of the Word of God and through worship. Those three primary things, okay? Worshiping Jesus, reading His Word, and praying to the Lord. Those things manifest His presence in our lives. 
often when we run from that, when we stop praying, stop reading the Word, stop worshiping God regularly, we will begin to disconnect and we feel directionless. We don't have direction in our lives. We begin to do what we want to do. Sin abounds when we don't stay connected with God. That is what is happening with Jonah and that's why he's trying to go the opposite direction. But what Jonah's about to find out is it's very hard when you're a believer to run from God. So let's take a look at what the Bible says next. Jonah 1, 4, it says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Now what are we finding here? The Bible says that it was God who brought the storm. He's the one that made the wind pick up. It was God, and He's coming after Jonah. Let me tell you something. Sometimes God's love for us looks like a shipwreck. And, and in this case, it's Jonah in a shipwreck. Sometimes it's you. Sometimes God loves you enough to pull the rug out from under you to get your attention. There was this one time my son, when he was little, my oldest son, we lived in Florida, and he was, we, we walk out the front door. He's like two, three years old, and he takes off running for the road. Well, we had a busy road in our neighborhood, and I could see a car come down the road, and he's running as hard as he can. So you know what I did? I ran faster than him, and I tackled my, my two, three-year-old toddler. I tackled him in the yard scared him to death. He's screaming and crying. We go rolling across the yard. It was, a, it was crazy. It almost looked like I'd hurt him. But do you know why I did that? Because I was trying to save him. Scaring him to death by grabbing him. I had to grab him before he went out into the road. It was my love for him that caused me to run him down and tackle him. Can I tell you, it is God's love for you that causes him to do what he's doing right now uh, for Jonah. And one thing Jonah finds out here, and you're going to find it out too if you decide to run from God and you're a believer, is that God loves you enough to chase you down. And when you run from God, you end up running into God. That's what Jonah is learning here. You see, what God wants to do in our lives is He wants us in alignment with Him because that is where we find the most joy. It's where we live the fullest life. Being in God's will is the best thing in the world for us. So when we as believers step out of His will, God will do great, Things He'll go to incredible measures to bring us back into alignment. And we see this vividly in Jonah's story. When we step out of God's will, God will take great measures to bring us back into His will. And we see it here in Jonah's life. He's, he's going to blow this ship up, man. He's, he's, he is getting Jonah's attention. Uh, the, the Bible is clear that God loves us enough to do that, and He's doing that now for Jonah. Now, What's going to happen next is amazing. Let's take a look at it right now. All right, so Jonah is on this boat headed to Tarshish, and it's got a bunch of sailors on it, okay? And you can go read the story for yourself, but basically this storm begins to blow, and these big waves are coming, and the ship's about to sink. And these sailors are actually Phoenician sailors, most probably. Uh, historically, they would have been. And, and what that means is they would have been worshipers of false gods, probably what we would consider polytheistic, meaning they believed in multiple gods. And here they're very su superstitious, so they think, what is going on? What have we done to anger the gods, right? And so they're trying to figure out what's going on, and they go to Jonah, this one guy on the boat that seems different than the rest of them, and they ask him, hey, what's going on? Why Do you know why the gods are angry with us? So why is this ship about to go down? Why is this storm happening? And go with me to Jonah chapter 1, verse 9. It says this, He said to them, I am a Hebrew... And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now, this is pretty amazing. The first thing Jonah does is he introduces himself to these men, these, these pagan sailors, 
by telling them he's a Hebrew. And historically in the Bible, you see that's what Jewish people did when they were talking to pagans. He didn't call himself an Israelite. He calls himself a Hebrew because that's kind of what the pagan world uh, called him. That's what they saw the people of God as, the, the Israelites, as the Hebrews. So he says, I'm a Hebrew. And look at what he says next. He says, I fear the Lord. Now, the difference between Jonah and those men you're going to see is those men were afraid too. They were scared of whoever that God was. But Jonah, because he's in relationship with the one living God, he's monotheistic, then his fear is different. He fears God. What he means is a reverence that, that is relational. He actually knows God. He's a prophet of God. He believes in God, even though he's in disobedience right now, even though he's running from this God in his presence. He knows who the living God is. And then Jonah, you're going to find, is a great preacher. He's going to be great in Nineveh, and he can't help it. He's so gifted as a communicator, he knows how to talk to people. He knows to how to talk to people about God, and this is a classic case of doing so. He says to these probably Phoenician sellers who basically believe in all kinds of gods, in particular the God of the air and the God of the sea, they had all these different gods, he says to them, I fear the Lord who's the God of heaven, and watch this, who made the sea and the dry land. Let me tell you why this is important. Jonah knew his audience. He knew where to start with people. Do you know everyone has a starting point when you're trying to talk to them about God? And Jonah understood his audience that they believed in some kind of God. They were superstitious. He heard them praying to all their little gods, their false gods. So he knew that these were sailors who were on the water and dry land, the two major things that impacted their lives. And he wanted them to understand that his one God, the one true God, was the one who made the heavens and the earth. This is important for us to understand. In the New Testament, you've got the Apostle Paul who is ministering to many Jews. And when he ministered to Jews, he always started, guess where? In the Old Testament. Because their starting point was not that they believed in a lot of different gods who, and, and who made the, the heavens and the earth. No, the, the Jewish people believed in the one true God, Yahweh. They just didn't believe in his son, Jesus. So Paul always started where people were. And we have to do that as well. If you live in Alabama, you got to start where people are. If you live in Ohio, if you're on a military base and you're trying to lead your friends to Jesus, you're going to have to start where they are. Jonah, even in his disobedience, his gifting as a preacher and a prophet and an evangelist is clear. It's on display here. He knows exactly how to talk to these people. And I would ask you this, the people in your life who you know need Jesus, have you done enough thinking and, and have you become thoughtful enough about them that you know where their starting point is? that you understand where they're coming from so that you can have really effective conversations, maybe even life-changing conversations with them about Jesus. Listen, everyone has a starting point. These sailors on this boat, they had a starting point. They thought someone or a bunch of someones had made the heavens and the earth. Jonah starts where they are, and he says, I know the one God who made the heavens and the earth. We could learn a lot from Jonah in this moment. Let's check out the next part of the story. So Jonah and these sailors have a little conversation and he tells them, look guys, you're going to have to throw me overboard. Now these guys were actually pretty good dudes and they didn't want to do that. They tried everything they could to not have to throw Jonah overboard and finally they decided that, th that they were going to lose their lives if they did not. So they threw Jonah overboard. Let's take a look at Jonah 1.15. It says, so they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. Notice now it's changed from praying to all their multiple gods that they feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they made vows. 
And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now let's slowly walk through this. First of all, when they threw Jonah into the sea, the Bible says that the sea ceased. And really the idea here is is that it was miraculous, that, that the sea stopped. This is a lot like the miracle in the New Testament where Jesus made a storm and the sea be still immediately. Now if you understand hydraulics, you understand that that is miraculous. If the water is raging and moving, you understand momentum and hydraulics. There's no way when you stop shaking a bowl of water, it doesn't just get still immediately. It takes minutes and maybe even longer for the water to settle down, right? Just from the forward momentum and the physics that's going on there. Well, the Bible seems to say here that it immediately stopped. That's why the Bible says that they were afraid. It says here, they feared the Lord exceedingly when they saw everything that had happened. The sea's raging, they throw Jonah in, boom, it just stops. They are terrified. But once again, what we see here is that these sailors are scared of God, but they don't fear Him the way Jonah does. They're scared of Him because of His power. They're they're superstitious. They do not have a relationship with God. They make vows, but their vows are empty. They they sacrifice to God, but their sacrifices don't mean anything because they don't have a relationship with Him, all right? But Jonah does have a relationship with God. Jonah fears the Lord in a relational way. And that's true for you and I. If you're a Christian, you're not scared of God, but you fear Him. And your fear is a reverential uh, respect for Him that leads to love, affection, and ultimately obedience. All right, so then the Bible says that the fish came, right? The fish came and swallowed. The Bible doesn't say a well, it says a great fish. And you may be wondering, you may go, okay, now here, Chris, is where this is hard for me to by, right? I mean, I've sat around a lot of campfires, one of my favorite things to do. And man, I grew up around Southerners. I'm, I'm a Southerner too. And Southerners like to tell stories. And sometimes their stories become bigger and bigger and more and more epic. The fish is always a little bigger around the campfire that you, that you caught. The deer that you got in the woods was always bigger, you know, and the one that got away. And, and the stories about how good you were when you were in high school at, at football or basketball, you know, maybe they're a little more exaggerated when you're around the campfire. So I can understand if you think, okay, Chris, we're sitting by the airstream, by the fire, and you're telling me a guy was swallowed by a fish. But did you know in the 1930s that a blue whale, which is one of the largest creatures in the world, was, was found that was 100 feet long? That's amazing, right? This blue whale, when it opens it, it has no teeth, opens its mouth, could easily swallow multiple men whole. In fact, they said at the time it could have swallowed a horse whole easily. And in the air compartment of a blue whale, because they take in a ton of air and then they can go very deep into the water, very easily, not one, but multiple humans could be in that air pocket. So scientifically, not a problem here, okay? Uh, There's no teeth. Easily, this fish could have swallowed Jonah, easily. But let me just make this clear. You have to believe, though, also that God can do miraculous, supernatural things. I'm a guy who believes that Jesus Christ was crucified, died. They buried him, and three days later, he came back from the grave. If I don't believe that God could send a fish to swallow a man and keep him alive for three days, then I can't believe in the resurrection either. And I happen to believe both. I believe that God can do this and that he did do this. And what it shows us again is that God will get our attention when he understands that we're out of alignment with him. God wants you to be in alignment with him. It's the best way for you to live life, and he loves you enough to get you back into alignment. In fact, this is what we see 
as the discipline of God. This fish is not random. It's God appointed, the Bible says. And God appoints things to discipline you. There's no evidence that God's ever done this again. This was customized for Jonah. But I'll tell you this, God customizes His discipline for you and I as well. He's the perfect Father and we need discipline. In fact, the, he, the book of Hebrews 12, 5 through 6 says this, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when, repro when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and He chastises every son whom He receives. Listen, if you're going to follow God, you need to understand that He loves you and He will discipline you. And when you run from Him, He's going to bring you back into alignment. It's like a chiropractor. Have you ever been to the chiropractor? They know that you live a better life if your back and your spine's in alignment. If you're out of alignment, they're going to put you back in line. And the way they do that is they adjust your back. They get you back in alignment. You feel better. You know what? God will adjust our lives. And sometimes it feels like whiplash. Sometimes it looks like having the rug pulled out from under you. Sometimes it looks like a great fish swallowing you in Jonah's case. Throughout the Bible, throughout the journeys that people went on, God teaches God designed lessons. He'll do that for you as well. And when God disciplines you, be mature enough as a believer to thank Him for it. To understand that it's His love for you that, that drives Him to discipline you. And the other thing you need to understand is God was not punishing Jonah. He was correcting Jonah. He's not paying Jonah back. He's trying to get Jonah to come back to alignment with him. God's not retributive in what he does in his children's lives. Only a bad father does that. Good fathers discipline and correct. They're not retributive. They're not just getting their anger out. And I want you to understand that when God deals with us the way he is Jonah... He is correcting Jonah. And it looks, man, it looks extreme, doesn't it? A fish swallows him for three days. It's horrific. But sometimes it takes extreme measures to bring us underneath the will of God. And God will do that for Jonah. He'll do it for you and I because of his great love for us. So Jonah ends up in the belly of a well. And while he was there, later on, he wrote the account of his story and he says many things, but right before, the thing that finally breaks things for him is when he says these words, Jonah 2, 9 through 10. Inside the fish, Jonah says this, I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you, God, what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Do you hear that? Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. What an amazing story here. So what happens? What happened? Again, Jonah's love and relationship with God is very different from the sailors. The sailors agreed there was a God. They acknowledged there was a God. They were scared of him. But Jonah says something different. Jonah makes vows too. But he says, salvation is from the Lord. That is what we call saving faith. That's what we call relational fear of God. And as you can see, it also signaled his surrender. That's when Jonah's saying, God, you're in control. I'm not. You are my salvation. And God has this fish that he has appointed spit Jonah out on dry land. And look what happens next. It says in Jonah 3, 1 through 3, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Hey, I don't know about you, but I'm really glad God's the God of second chances for us, that he doesn't let us go. He doesn't give up on us. So he comes right back to Jonah. Now that Jonah's back in alignment... Remember, Jonah ran from 
the manifest presence of God. When you are connected with God in His presence, He will direct you. He'll tell you where to go and what to do. Well, now that Jonah is back with him, back in his manifest presence, guess what? God immediately tells Jonah what to do. That's what kings do. God's our king. He tells us what to do. And He puts him back on mission. Second time, God says to him, verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose. This time he obeys. He went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. And now it tells you how big it is. Three days journey in breadth, meaning this is a huge city in the ancient world. And what we see here is, again, God is the God of second chances. He comes to Jonah and he's not done with Jonah. Jonah, even though he messed up and disobeyed God and really blew it, it did not mean that God was done with him. God still wanted to use him. He still wants to use you. If you're still breathing and your heart's still beating and you believe in Jesus, surrender to him today. Walk with him. Get your life back in alignment with him. He has things for you to do. He has a mission and a purpose for your life. He was not done with Jonah and he, he's not done with you either. That's really good news. Because I don't know about you, but I've messed it up big time before. But I've never been swallowed by a fish. <laughs> Have you? I mean, to my knowledge, no one else ever has. Jonah royally messed it up, and God wasn't done with him. All it took was Jonah coming back into alignment with God, and God says, hey, I still have a job for you to do. I also love the fact that it says here, Jonah now is, is acting in his life according to the word of the Lord. That's submission. Jonah's submissive now. Now, it took a, a harrowing journey in the belly of a well. Uh, Jonah's journey is one that started on a boat, ended in a fish, and now it's led him to radical obedience. All right? I hope it will not take those drastic measures to get you and I in alignment with his will, but it might. And God loves us enough to do it. But what we see here is now Jonah is acting according to the word of the Lord. Let me just say this to you. The best place for you to be in life is under submission to the authority of God. And that is where Jonah is now. And he obeys God. And what we see here is God's mercy and grace for Jonah. Jonah most would have said, hey, he doesn't deserve anything from God. And certainly he did not, yet God gave it anyway. God does not let him die in the belly of the well, even though he was in total rebellion against God. And uh, God saves him from the well, from the fish, and he sends him back on the journey, on the mission. Again, this is God's mercy and His grace. Let, let me explain it to you. God's mercy is when He does not give us what we do deserve. And what Jonah deserved was to die in the belly of that fish. God's grace is when He gives us what we do not deserve. And what does He do with Jonah? Gives him a second chance that he did not earn. Gives him an, a, more life instead of letting him die. He didn't deserve those things. That was God's grace towards him and God's mercy in withholding what he did deserve. And you and I experienced the same thing. Jonah was a believer who had stepped out of the will of God and rebelled. You and I do the same thing. But I want you to know that God's mercy and His grace is always there for us. It's always there for you. It's always there for me. So around the campfire tonight, let us see, let us not miss the grace and the mercy of our great God. So maybe one of my favorite parts of this great journey that Jonah went on is the results of the journey. And what's, what happened? When he went to Nineveh, and remember Nineveh is a barbaric city, a powerful city, Assyria is the greatest empire in the world at that time. Jonah goes to this great city risking his life. And you know what? 
it worked. It's pretty cool, the, the results of his journey. Look at Jonah 3, 5 through 6. It says, the people of Nineveh believed God. Notice they didn't just acknowledge him like the sailors on the boat did. They believed him for salvation. They called for a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh. This would have been the top dog. And he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And what that was is repentance. In the ancient world, sackcloth and ashes was a way to display your repentance. They were serious about this. They're not playing games. Isn't that awesome to see uh, what happened? And then look what God does. Verse 10 in chapter 3 of Jonah. When God saw what they did, when he saw this, how they turned from their evil way, that's repentance. They didn't just acknowledge God. They turned from their evil ways. God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. In other words, God showed mercy and grace. Not only did Jonah, who was a child of God, receive God's mercy and grace, but a barbaric city full of pagan, rebellious sinners, they experienced God's unbelievable grace and mercy towards them. They did nothing to earn this. They didn't ask God for this. He went for them just like He went for us, just like He pursued us. And what we see here is a few important things. Even in the Old Testament, God was saving people far from Him. That's not just a New Testament concept. He was doing it in the Old Testament. Secondly, we see even in the Old Testament, God was sending the saved, Jonah, to reach the unsaved, Ninevites. That's that was an Old Testament concept, and it's true for us today. God wants the saved, you and I as Christians, to always care about those who are far from God, to reach people, to do all that we can to see that our lives, our message, our churches, that we are reaching people who are far from God. And don't miss this. Even in the Old Testament, God demanded that believers in Him share with others what they themselves had received. And that's true for us as well. If you've received the mercy of God, you should be telling others about the mercy of God. If you've received the grace and mercy, you should display that grace and mercy for others. You just can't follow Jesus without loving people. Let's take a look at how the story ends. So amazingly, you would think that at this point of the story, Jonah's got to be happy, but he's not. And, and the reason is because Jonah, like you and I, he has a hard time staying close to God and staying obedient, okay? And Jonah is struggling. And what he's struggling with is he can't stand the Ninevites. They were brutal people. He cannot believe that God would love them and care for them. He doesn't understand. He understands God wanting him to preach to the Israelites. That's God's people. But the Ninevites, the pagan far from God Ninevites, these horrible people, Jonah... If you go read the story, he struggled mightily with it. He was not happy that God saved these people. He was not happy that God wasn't going to destroy uh, the city of Nineveh. He's not happy about that at all. And God tries to help Jonah through it. He lovingly helps Jonah through it. And an interesting thing happens. Jonah sits down and decides that he's going to kind of pout like a kid would. And he just sits down and says, I just want to die. He's that upset over it. Well, God causes this plant to grow over the top of Jonah and shade him from the sun. Well, Jonah thinks, okay, that's really nice. Got a little shade. And then God, God sends these worms and bugs to eat the tree. And it's an interesting way the story ends. And the tree goes away. And Jonah gets so upset about it. He's so passionate about the fact that this plant that was shading him 
suddenly he's gone. And he basically throws a fit. He's so upset. And God's teaching him a lesson. And listen to what the Lord says to him at the end of Jonah. The Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. Should Watch this. Should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not even know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? Listen to what God's saying. God's looking at Jonah, and he's, and he's telling him to think about his priorities. That's how the story ends. I think that that, that question's there for us. Do we care about things too much, and do we care about the things of God too little? What God's saying to Jonah is he's saying, you're worried about a plant keeping you shaded and you don't even care about hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who are far from me. Jonah, your priorities are are totally out of whack. Jonah, you receive grace and mercy, but you don't care about other people receiving it. Isn't that true for us at times? I, I bet you're the same way sometimes. I bet you're like me. You can get your priorities mixed up and you can... You can focus on the wrong things instead of focusing on the God things. This is a huge lesson for us. So at the end of each journey, we need to unpack. We need to unpack right now around the campfire. Before we close this down, let me unpack the trip for you a little bit. First of all, we are people on mission. If you're a believer in the living God, you have a mission for your life. Are you on mission? Secondly, God's will is important in our lives. So important that He will customize a disciplinary plan for you and for me to keep us in His will. He'll do it for you, He'll do it for me, just like He did it for Jonah. Sometimes it's extreme, but it's always necessary. And finally, we who have received grace and mercy, we must extend that grace and mercy and share that grace and mercy with the communities we're in, the people we're in, even the people who maybe we don't like and we don't care much for. We gotta learn to love people the way God does because He first loved us. So thanks for joining me around this campfire. I pray that you'll never see the story of Jonah the same and I pray that you and I will be astounded at the love of God for us like He had for Jonah and also the love of God for the whole world. Let's be people on mission. And let's be people who love others the way God loved us.